ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we have JW back on the show, on the program today. You should know him, because he's been on like twice in the past few weeks. So thanks again for taking the time. We've got a lot to catch up on. It was funny, um, like two or three days ago in my newsletter, I wrote about how the market was in this like catatonic, catatonic state of, you know, it just seemed eerily quiet. And then, of course, yesterday we just completely rip across the board on, on multiple fronts after um, Judge Torres uh, delivered that ruling on the Ripple uh, SEC case in which he basically, I think the bottom line, we can get into it, is uh, the, the company selling of, of XRP on exchanges uh, did not constitute the selling of securities now i don't know if that necessarily means that xrp is a security or not in in this judge's interpretation but it definitely was a, a relative win for team ripple obviously they can appeal um so that's kind of the, the bottom line there um, how significant was this in your view and do you think maybe the market is a bit too excited about what seems to be something that could still change in the future? Uh, I'm with two minds. My securities lawyer mind says be cautious, cautiously excited. Uh, my crypto investor mind says, man, let's go to the moon. I'm ready. Let me get some Pepe and let's 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 moon it out. Um, it's a partial win for Ripple. It's more of a win than I expected at the district court level. I, I had some issues with the, with the SEC bringing the case, and I voiced those in some op-eds uh, in 2020. Um, so I've been I've, I've been vocal about that, but I I thought the odds were uh, more against Ripple than they ended up being. So I was surprised by how far this went. Um, it it does a few things. So the decision saying that the secondary sales in this particular instance are not sales of a security is a big deal, and the fact that the judge says, "Look, I'm not going to rule on otherwise XRP listed on exchanges." Uh, because it's not that issue is not before me right now, so it doesn't necessarily go our way, but it, it's at least an open question. The calculus for the SEC and Coinbase right now, this is one of those moments in litigation where something happens in litigation, and the judge looks at you the wrong way. A piece of evidence arises where uh, you know you're a defendant is saying something that shouldn't be. Something happens, and you realize it's time to settle. It's time. This case is not going the way that we thought. It's time to settle. This is that moment for the SEC and SEC versus Coinbase. The SEC is at that moment right now. The law on how we could change substantially so that the SEC's flexibility going forward to use this tool and all sorts of other things could be significantly curtailed. And it, it also shows the most important thing about this case, whether it all survives at the Second Circuit or not a year from now, a year and a half from now. I don't know. But the most important things it shows is that the judge is willing to learn about the technology. And if judges are willing to do that, that's a big, big deal. Let's start there before we get into the doctrine. If judges are willing to learn about the technology, that's a big deal. Historically, most of the how we test to determine something's an investment contract, therefore security, therefore must register. Historically, what that was was a that was a rough cudgel the SEC used against scams and Ponzi schemes and uh, flim flam operations that had no economic substance behind them at all. And so they were kind of difficult to apply a test, a strict test about 
you know, commercial transactions and what goes into them. It was hard to apply it because there was no there there. And so what courts tend to do was say, you know what, you get the benefit of the doubt, SEC. We're just going to treat the Howey test as a flexible thing and we'll just sort of put everything under that umbrella. This is a rare, this is a rare instance and a unique instance in which the SEC is using this cudgel against a totally new type of economic animal that's never been seen before. The fact that Judge Torres was willing to think deeply about the limited connection between Ripple and XRP, the blockchain, is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Let's start there. Uh, the fact that she was willing to say, look, secondary purchases and these sort of programmatic sales were not sales of a security because the buyers there were not in contractual privity with Ripple. They were just buying XRP, and buying XRP doesn't necessarily translate to anything that that furthers what Ripple does. She gets it. She gets blockchain. That's amazing in a way that the SEC has never admitted under the Gensler regime in anything they've filed or anything they've said. That's a big deal, and that's helpful. There are other smaller things that are helpful from this case. This case is great for airdrops. right? This case says air, airdrops are not sales of securities in the same way that the distributions of XRP to employees of Ripple are not sales of security. That's great for airdrops. That's great for that model of, uh, you know, of, of uh, issuing uh, tokens and getting tokens out into the ecosystem if it holds up in, in the second circuit. So I, I'm excited, man. Uh, it doesn't mean we win, but, but I think some of the excitement is justified. And I think the odds very much tipped in favor of Coinbase after this. Yeah, it's, but were you surprised though um, that Coinbase decided to relist the day of this decision? I mean, yeah, I guess their, their interpretation of that of that sort of ruling was maybe okay, even if it's a security, the sort of secondary marketplaces that facilitate trading won't be implicated. Um, it would sort of be concentrated around those folks who issued the token rather than the the secondary counterparties that facilitated trading. So um, why not relist it? And also it's kind of like a signaling thing as well, maybe to. Yeah. That's know, the most um, important thing. I, yeah, I, I think to, ultimately this was not a business decision. This was a litigation strategy decision. This was saying we're not, we're not scared and we're, we're um, you know, we're ready to fight. Uh, I think yeah. it sends a strong signal to the SEC. Your stock just, I mean, it's down a bit today after a major run-up yesterday by like 20-some-odd percent, more than 20%. I guess the sentiment there is that this could mean good news for Coinbase in its own case. Does that does, does it necessarily penetrate, though, at the, using my colleagues, Colin Wilhelm's words, the the armor of, of the SEC um, in, in other sort of circumstances? Well, in one sense, the judge ruled against Ripple on the fair notice defense. Now, does that hurt Coinbase? Coinbase has a much stronger argument there because they went through the S1 process. And um, so that's a little bit of a different argument. But in that sense, that precedent probably weighs a little bit against them. Does the precedent that the programmatic sales in the secondary market, uh, does that translate to Coinbase's listing process, which is not like the way that XRP got uh, out into the secondary market, but should have some personal value? Yes, I think it does. I think it does. Um, 
whether that precedent helps him will depend upon particular communications Coinbase has made about particular listings that were referenced in the in the case. But I think they've been pretty careful about how they describe things in their documents. Um, so I think they've got a good argument there. Ultimately, this this changes the calculus for the SEC. In a normal commission, I think it would be subtle, especially because Coinbase has already kind of put out the olive branch before the case even started with this request for rulemaking a year ago, where the Coinbase said, please regulate us. So you're saying that you think this um, news or headline increases the chance of settlement for both Ripple and Coinbase? I do, yes. Well, I think uh, Ripple, Ripple needs to fight. Uh, what they've lost today, they can't give up. They need to fight because it's pretty significant for those individual defendants. Um, so I'm not sure that will settle. I think they probably need to fight. And they're willing to go all the way to SCOTUS, which means which is where I think they have a pretty good chance using the major questions doctrine. That's what we did. We did two sessions on that one. Um, so we did almost a securities law and constitutional law class last time. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, it's a shame crypto has to learn so much about the securities laws, but um, but that's the that's the situation we're in. So, yeah, I think uh, that, that helps Ripple a little bit, but it helps Coinbase a lot. Well, yeah. we're having fun. We, we learn about bankruptcy proceedings. We're yeah, learning about that's right. that's major right. questions doctrine. Yeah. The, the industry is becoming more more sophisticated. Yeah, I think that's true. There are the slings and arrows of, of, of everything that's happened. Yeah. Um, sorry, not to cut you off. Where, where, where were you going with that? Oh, I was just going to say, but the settlement, the settlement is also much bigger than your typical settlement because to really settle, the SEC has to commit to some adaptive rulemaking, exemptive relief guidance to make it possible to actually list this stuff. I mean, right now, the settlement can't just be, okay, we'll list everything and comply with the securities laws because you can't. I mean, you can't like list uh, Solana and comply with the S1 requirements or on regular disclosures comply with 10K. I mean, there's a hundred items that just don't apply. There's no board of directors of Solana. There's no CEO of Solana. So how would you have an audit committee of Solana? I mean, none of that stuff really applies. Um, so it, for a settlement to be possible, the SEC would have to come to the table and say, okay, we'll do some adaptive exemptive relief and guidance and stuff like they've done loads of times before with asset-backed securities and limited partners, master limited partners, all the stuff we went over last time. So that would have to be part of it. But the calculus for the SEC has changed where they should come to the table and do that at this point. I mean, again, so as, as Colin mentioned yesterday in a piece he wrote, they haven't lost a crypto enforcement case um, since 2017. So they still, they have a, that relatively strong positioning, I guess, but they could sell like they did with, with um, EOS. Yeah, that would be interesting. That's a different thing because that was a case against an issuer, not an exchange. Uh, and the exchange has to figure out a path to list uh, for settlement to really be possible. Um, that's what makes it more complicated. The SEC has a good record so far. This is what changes their record. This is this is um, this this is what this is the the one chink in the armor that could make the whole armor fall apart eventually. And you got to figure there are voices inside the SEC that are worried about the institutional interests of the agency that will stretch long past Gimsler's tenure. And they'd say, look, we should settle in part because we don't want to. We don't want precedent that's going to hurt our ability to operate long after you're gone, Gary. Uh, you know, he's probably more interested in the political stuff right now. This might also give him political cover to say, look, Liz Warren, I know you don't want me to do a special rule for crypto, but I have to because we lost. Um, maybe that helps him politically. I don't know. What What, what are the chances you think that this ruling uh, gets overturned on appeal? Um. 
I, uh, at the second circuit, I think the chances are it'll be modified in some way. It's not going to all survive exactly as it is. But that could go Ripple's way just as much as it could go SEC's way. We don't know. Uh, you know, some of the some of the uh, the remaining aiding and abetting stuff could go Ripple's way because uh, it's hard to bring an aiding and abetting case in securities law. Uh, maybe there could be more of a shot at the fair notice defense on appeal. The Second Circuit, we'll see. Um, and and so it could go either way. I don't know. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. But it'll it'll have to be after trial and then a year for appeal. So it's like a year and a half away. And at that point, um, you know, average tenure of an SEC chairman is three years. I think Gary will probably be gone before this thing gets resolved. Sure. So yeah, that's another interesting question. Like. How much of these actions would be happening if Chair Gensler was not heading the agency? Um, I, I think a new chairman, whether they're Democrat or Republican, would have an interest in coming in and and settling out the cases and cleaning it up. I don't think they want this headache anymore. And I think an adaptive regime, filing regime, it looks like Reg ABS, would be easy enough to do. Yeah, but I guess on the Coinbase Coinbase suit, they only really need to prove that one of them is a security, which which makes it a bit of an easier task, I guess. But if if that suit, if in that suit all the others are deemed to be not securities on a thorough analysis by the court, um, that helps all the crypto. That, that's not great for Coinbase. But that helps all the crypto. All the crypto wins. Yeah, huge. that's a good point. Yeah. And then what, what happens after that? Like, I'm curious if, let's say, the Matic, which just changed its name. I forget to what to what it changed its name to. But yeah, let's don't say forget. This... We got to, we got four years to uh, move it over. So don't forget to do that. <laughs> yeah. So let's say they say this one is a security. What's the recourse, I guess, if if, if the courts agree um, I mean, then it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court agrees that Matic is a security. Um, does Coinbase just be listed and pay a fine? What what sort of the what are the consequences? I guess of, of this is that, I guess that's worst case scenario is, is they could get shut down. Be that would be pretty wild. Let's hope not. So what else? Um, what else are you noticing, paying attention to right now? Well, let's not forget the long-term stuff that we are we talked about. None of that was was decided at this point, mostly because those arguments hadn't really uh, been brought in Ripple. the The major questions doctrine stuff really exploded with West Virginia versus EPA, where the SCOTUS signaled they were going to use this doctrine to go after agency abuse. Um, that all happened pretty late. So that was December of last year. So that was too late to really put it in the ripple filings in a big way. So it didn't come up yet. And I still think that's the um, that's the strongest argument for Coinbase, Binance, and Ripple ultimately on appeal and 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 to Supreme Court in the long term. None of that has come up yet. Uh, but I, I think that's the strongest thing that. And and I, as I understand it, as I've heard secondhand. That's something that the people in, on the 10th floor at the SEC are worried about. They care about that, the major questions doctrine. That's why I tell everybody in crypto, if you end up a defendant in a case, I want to see major questions doctrine in your filings. Just put it in there. Put it, repeat it over and over and over. Just like in court, 
we're told as litigators, just object. No matter what, when in doubt, just object. You know, objection. Even when you don't know what you're objecting to, put MQD in those filings and everything. Uh, make sure we're, we're using it as much as possible. Do you think this court decision could advance the legislative process? A lot of people are saying that that uh, this sets up a legislative victory. Right now in the Senate, I don't see Sherrod Brown, the chairman of the banking committee, voting for anything that's been floated yet. He's not going to go for any of that. And now there's Chuck Schumer. So it's it's DOA for the short term. For the next year and a half, it's DOA. Uh, after that, depends on if the Senate flips. Uh, if it doesn't flip, if the Democrats still control one of the two chambers, then nothing's moving in that Congress either. Case doesn't matter for that. We got to get Richie Torres in the Senate. Yeah, there you go. Even then, it's still it's still um, there are too many Democrats. You have to get so. I mean, the Senate Banking Committee in Democrat hands is not going to pass anything over Liz Warren's objection, uh, and the chairman, Chair Brown, is not going to even put anything on the agenda without Liz Warren's blessing. And I can tell you right now, there's not a crypto bill that Liz Warren would bless that any of us in crypto would want anything to do with. Better the uncertainty than whatever would come out of those negotiations. Yeah, I think that some people are a bit too hopeful for that. Yeah, um, We were talking with Brian Quintez yesterday. and I do like Brian, but I do believe he's very much too hopeful in that, on that respect. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, because it's it's funny. It's like all the a lot of the people on the Hill, like even, you know, we talked to like Kristen Smith, who we invited on to come out in August. Um, they It's like they want to believe that crypto's relatively bipartisan. But I mean, who is and I mean, obviously, Jill Brandt, um, you know, working with Lummis and, and then Torres. But it definitely seems like the energy, the pro energy is very much strongly Republican and the anti-energy is very much strongly Democratic. Well, I think Kristen has a sober view and I'm not saying don't engage. You know, she absolutely it's her job to engage because one day something will pass. And right now you have, you know, right now the bill could get cemented to pass. I'm not saying it won't pass in the next five years. I'm just saying it won't pass in the next two years. So one day when it does pass, it probably won't change much from what's been considered and voted on and voted on. Once something's been voted on in the House floor a couple of times, you can't really amend it in the House anymore. So she and Jake absolutely should be engaging and, and designing that thing as best they can. I'm just saying, and I think they have a sober view of it too, don't expect it to pass the next year or two. It's a, it's a long-term effort on the Hill. Yeah, that, that stands to reason. And I feel like you'll 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 probably see it become more i i just don't know what the shift was like the obviously trump had, you know was relatively anti crypto before he did his nft drop biden seemed a bit more reasonable you know with his executive order and now you know they're calling out rich crypto traders for uh, you know and in, in, in tweets and whatnot. So I don't know what was behind that shift. FTX, man, the whole thing was FTX. All of it. All of the political shift was FTX. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was the largest individual donor to Biden. That that influenced things. That absolutely influenced the White House to stance on the executive order. Uh, and then the blow up, it, it, you know, the way Washington works is, and we learned this at Enron, the closer you are to, to a politician, 
if you have a scandal, the harder they are going to come back and and light you on fire. Uh, that's what happened with Enron. Everybody in Enron, in you know, the Bush administration, was like, "Hey, DOJ, just light them all on fire in the public square. It doesn't matter. The fact that we've taken ten million dollars from them means now you all need to light them on fire in the public square." So that's that's the way it works in Washington. You can get too close, and SPF definitely got too close. And now uh, Brian Armstrong's paying the price. Yeah, well, that's a tough one. If if the XRP decisions upheld, does this pave the way to um, Bitcoin ETF being approved? Or well, they're very different, but the odds there look really good so far after the DC Circuit opinion. I, I you know. I don't know that I would bet my Bitcoin on it. Uh, I wouldn't, but but I like the odds. The odds are better than they were before the oral argument. A lot better. Um, and look, they. I mean, if you if if we were to play a game, let's find the ten most ridiculous ETFs the SEC's ever approved. It would be a fun game to play one afternoon over beers. We would find some really crazy stuff. Some stuff that has never made money for anyone ever in its history. We would find some ETFs like that. So how long can they hold out on this? After Canada's approved it, after Australia's approved it, they approved Ethereum ETFs too. Uh, eventually, we're gonna we're gonna win this. And now that BlackRock's behind it, I mean, come on, man. Gary's a pretty politically attuned guy, and when BlackRock says they want it, um, he's not gonna ignore that. Yeah. So before the end of the year. Ooh. I'd say 40% chance. Mm. Okay. That sounds about right. If you're if you're right, we'll get you we'll get you a beer. Okay, good. What else are you paying attention to? Uh in crypto, man, I'm yeah, so I'm a privacy guy. I'm my Zcash, I'm wearing my Zcash t-shirt for those of you that are listening. Uh, I always do it on the block. And in my DeFi education fund hat in solidarity. With my DeFi guys, uh, you know, no, we're, we're swagged out today. Yeah, yeah, you've got your AMP shirt on. I'm a big AMP fan, and Zcash and AMP have a good partnership too. Uh, Zuko was on a commercial with David Duchovny about about uh, about Spedden. Uh Anyway, uh, paying attention to there's obviously going to be a fight with the Reg ATS changes to define DEXs as exchanges. That's happening. DeFi Education Fund, Blockchain Association, all those guys are going to jump in that fight, which is important. I'm paying attention to privacy stuff right now. I'm I'm seeing, and I want to be I want to be uh, collaborative with the crypto community, and I don't want to burn senators who want to help us. But man, part two of Lama Skillerbrand, um, you know I don't know if you ever watched uh, In Living Color, hated it. Uh, yeah, Lama Skillerbrand part two, hated it. Big thumbs down from me, man. I can't I can't support, can't support it. The privacy stuff is terrible. Uh, so there's a bill, there's a section in there that comes out of a bill that Chainalysis has been pushing on the Hill that would create a committee of uh, a very unbalanced committee of all law enforcement, basically law enforcement. Plus, of course, Chainalysis gets on the committee as well uh, to, yeah, to uh, to look at uh, crypto privacy. Eventually, I think do a report that's going to recommend outlawing mixers, outlawing privacy technology, or they can come after privacy coins, Zcash, Monero. Uh, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't put it past them. So that might lay the groundwork for that. And and you know, if you're, how can you be pro Bitcoin if you're supporting a section that's ultimately going to be used to come after Bitcoin Whirlpool, which is a totally legit mixer? I've never seen Whirlpool even associated with any post hack stuff, though that wouldn't necessarily make it illegit either. If if there was some of that going on, 
Uh, it's non-custodial, obviously, so it doesn't have to register as a money transmitter. But uh, if you ever tried Samurai, I mean, I don't know how you can be a Bitcoiner and not try to get some privacy by using Samurai Wallet, because uh, that's the best Bitcoin privacy tech out there. But I'm worried it's going to try to get outlawed by some of the stuff that's starting the momentum in Lummis Gillibrand. Um, so, yeah, I'm worried about that. What did you make of the uh, Arkham situation? Uh, hated it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one. I mean, I'm not against, uh, it, you know, not everybody's going to be as pro privacy as I am and my Zcash and Monero buddies are. Uh, in fact, most of the world seems to want to desperately give their information away to, to social media companies. That's fine. So if you want to, if you want to participate in that, go ahead. I, I wouldn't outlaw it or prohibit it, but I'm never going to touch anything like that with a 10 foot pole. Um, um, yeah, it's, 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 um, it was really absurd. Did you see that meme where they took like a picture of the Pentagon and like Arkham's um, logo and basically saying, "Oh, it all makes sense." There, Zuko Zuko Wilcox had one. I think it was good. Uh, uh, Zcash demand generation app incoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I asked him though when he came on the show. I was like, "So, are you a Fed?" Right. <laughs> He's like, "No." If he was a Fed, that's the best cover ever because the guy's been in privacy since he was like fifteen. Um, yeah. So. Um. All right, sir. Well, we'll leave it there. Good to be here with you, Frank. Come back anytime, man. Thank you. We'll be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.